Remember when the news was pure fact? You do? Well, I have bad news for you. It wasn't. Never was. But the difference between what you remember and what you're seeing now is that the purveyors of the news now don't care that you see their bias. Well, we're biased too. We have a hard, relentless leaning toward the truth. Welcome to TNN, the Truth News Network. And your anchor today and every day is Dan Newman. You know, I don't know if I'll ever get accustomed to, used to, getting news that is not truthful. Not being able to just assume when the news people are reporting the news, we can't any longer just assume we're getting facts. To be honest with you, that's exactly what resulted in the beginning of truthnewsnet.org, our website, and this show, TNN Live, four years ago. we got to get facts. Today, we're going to give you some information that will illustrate this insanity that they call the news, but it's very little more than just indoctrination, trying to get us to believe things that they want us to believe that have no ties whatsoever to the truth. They don't even make any attempts to try to hide those facts. They being the legacy media, the industrial media complex, whatever you want to call them, mainstream media, liars. I don't care what you label them as, but just make sure you understand what we're seeing, what we're hearing is pretty much in most part, not factual. Yesterday, we had Dr. Judy Mikovits on with us for more than two hours. Many of you remember she was one of the very beginning purveyors of truths, of facts in our COVID-19 debacle that we lived through. Many of us didn't live through. And most of those people that died at the hands of bad information were led astray by people that weaponized COVID-19 against the people. No one can credibly say that is not a fact. And every day, more and more information comes out to prove it. Just like what was the beginning? Where was the beginning? How did COVID-19 get loosed on the earth? Way back at the beginning, it just appeared to be, it came, came out of that Wuhan virology laboratory that was owned and is owned and controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. Oh, no, the experts in the U.S., they told us, don't believe that. That's another conspiracy theory. And guess what we're getting now three years later? It looks like COVID-19 began in the Wuhan Laboratory of Virology. Three scientists that caught the disease in that laboratory are the ones that spread it, or at least began the spread of COVID-19 around the world. Now, no one will come out, nobody credibly, you know, the government, those folks, they won't come out and say for sure that's what caused it, that was the source. But they're leaking little pieces of information every day, like little nuggets for us to chew on. And they're saying... It 
looks like that might be the fact all along. Just think about how many people wouldn't have died if we had known where the source was, who the source was, and how it happened. That was hidden from us. You realize that? Wow. We have a big show today. We've got much to cover in our first hour. Steve Baker, as he does every Tuesday, will join us in hour number two. So we're going to have a good day. Stick with us and enjoy a little Michael McDonald. Yamo be there. That's right where we are.
don't make music like they did back in the 70s and 80s, even the 90s. Everything had a meaning back then. And maybe everything today, every piece of music today has a meaning. I just, I find it sometimes, most times, hard to follow. I'm a musician. I love music. I love different styles of music. I'm not one of those that says, you know, we got to do this and anything else, but this is going out too far on a limb. I'm not one of those people. I have very diverse musical taste. And those of you that know me or hang around here at TNN Live, you know I like music a lot. Different styles of music. But you know what? Isn't that pretty much what it is like to live in the United States of America? We have the right to believe anything we want. We have the right to like anything we want to like. And also to dislike anything we choose to dislike. We have the freedom to make those kind of decisions. And sadly, there are many among us that want to take those freedoms away. In fact, they want to begin the whole conversation by just making the premise that we don't really have those rights. We don't have the right to be free thinkers. We've got to bow to the altar of uh, wokeism, of whatever the thing of the day is that the left tells us this is what we're going to believe today is fact, and you don't have any option but just to believe the same thing and fall in line. If you don't, we're going to cancel you. Everything is weaponized in some way by somebody against somebody. And many of us just live in, in a place of fear. Look at what's happening to our young people. Every day now, we find out people in a generation or two behind us, because of all of the furor, the misinformation, the things that we don't know, the weaponization of anything and everything against someone else, they're crawling into a shell. They're not wanting to interact with other people. They'll create a circle of influence of a few people with who they identify but they don't want to go out and interact with the world. It's putting us in a very dangerous spot on this planet. We used to be the nation that we were the shining light on the hill, that everybody on the planet looked at the United States of America and said, those people have it all together. We want to be like them. We want to live in a country where the government doesn't control the people. The United States is governed by the people themselves. They choose who's going to go to Washington, D.C. and represent them on every type of legal and legislative matter. That's all changing now. We live in a nation now where there are people, hundreds and thousands of people, that think the government has total control over everything in Americans' lives. And so they just act accordingly. They walk around like robots, not getting involved, not really caring, because what does it mean if I get involved? Voting? Heck, what's the use in that? The government's going to do what the government's going to do, regardless of how I vote or who I vote for. So why even bother? Let's just keep pushing. Let's just keep praying. Let's just keep believing that that giant 
that giant called We the People, is awakening in the middle of this storm. It's being awakened by all of the evil that's around us, that's crept into our nation quietly in many cases, and as it's become stronger and more powerful, it's gotten bolder and bolder, and now, not even trying to hide it, it's out there every day. And it's been cloaked in secrecy, but it's been in all of the isms that have been thrown out and have been normalized, it's finding its way into mainstream into the thinking, the thought processes of everybody. It's always there. And it's in every conversation, every news story, every research report that is released to us about the important things in science. And then you have people in the government that have seized control of everything. Dr. Anthony Fauci, I'm the science He preached that to us all the way through COVID-19, our pandemic, our lockdowns, the masking, all of those things. Look at what's happening in politics today. The United States is governed by a feckless, cognitive declining man who has been in government his entire life. And the world looks at this president, Joe Biden, and they laugh at us. Because we, the people, let this man take over our government and he's summarily, piece by piece, dismantling everything, every institution, every process that has been carefully put in place by we, the people's Congress, making laws, changing laws, amending laws, doing away with old ones that don't fit any longer, replacing them with new applicable ones. We, the people, are no longer in control of our government. A bureaucratic compass of a bunch of people that somehow get endowed by whoever is in control to be the ones that run the nation and tell us what to do. They're the ones that weigh in and make all the things happen. We used to think that Congress was the only place that could spend American tax dollars. It all had to come through Congress. Joe Biden has proven absolutely not factual. Yesterday is a prime example. We found out that sending all of that military aid in, in real hard, tangible, I'm not talking about money, I'm talking about stuff, tanks, equipment, guns, ammunition, all of that that we sent to Ukraine. We were told it was this dollar amount. And so, therefore, Congress had voted Ukraine was going to get this X number of dollar amount of aid in military hardware and support from the United States military. But guess what? We found out yesterday when they figured the value of all of that military aid that we sent We overestimated the the cost of the price of that value by billions of dollars. Now, what does that mean? Well, one would think, hey, we saved some money, right? No, 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 no. The Biden administration made it very clear, look, that was overvalued. It was only worth this, several billion dollars less than what we were told it was when we gave it to Ukraine. So that means 
Joe Biden gets to send another three-plus billion dollars in either cash or aid to Ukraine without going to Congress and asking for it. Well, guess who came up with those numbers? The Biden administration. Wouldn't it be nice if you could just turn around and look somewhere in your house? Oh, I forgot about that. I had a mattress full of $50,000 in cash. I forgot it was there. I've got $50,000 extra dollars. There is no mattress. The place where the money is stored in the United States of America is called We the People. I've heard congressmen, I've heard president after president, congressman after congressman, talk about our money. We're investing our money. None of it is their money. Well, if they pay their taxes, a small stipend in the big percentage of how much there is, is their money. But they, like you and I, we send it to the government and it's supposed to be spent for us, by us, for us. And yet every day, more corruption is exposed where people in government are siphoning off a billion here, two billion there, 450 billion in waste in COVID-19 pandemic money. We had people in China that were fraudulently filling out documents, sending those to the United States for aid for businesses, employers. Billions of dollars went to Chinese government, Chinese individuals, and others from around the world. There's no accountability when it comes to spending American tax dollars. It's whatever, whoever's in the White House wants that, it's the way it's going to be. And just accept it because nothing you can say is going to change any of that. The only thing that might is we the people at the ballot box. You need to remember that. You need to keep that in the back of your mind anytime you're talking about, thinking about who you're going to vote for next time around. And not just White House vote. I'm talking about for every position that's in your world politically that is going to come up for a vote. Louisiana, we have a gubernatorial race going on. Our governors are elected in the off years. So in a few months, we're going to elect a new governor. If you're a Louisianian, as I am, you need to find out exactly what Every person running for governor in Louisiana is all about. And it may require you to do a a little digging. You don't have a right to gripe about anything going on in Louisiana whatsoever if you don't find out who is best, in your opinion, to serve the next four years as governor of Louisiana unless you go find out for yourself. You just need to sit down because you don't deserve to have a voice. If every American would pick that thought process up and make it theirs, 
We wouldn't have a Joe Biden in the White House. Why? Because he promised a lot of things, but looking in his wake where he has served before, there is nothing behind him that shows any success that he promised he was going to give us if we elected him president. I didn't believe him then. I did not vote for him. Most people that come to this show every day did not either. But you know what? Millions of Americans swallowed the poison pill and believed Joe Biden was going to just give them anything and everything they wanted. Why? Because he's that kind of guy. He has been successful at doing one thing and one thing only, destroying the infrastructure, the fiber of this nation, one thread at a time. He didn't promise us he was going to do that. But many people were out there saying, get set. That's what's going to happen to you. We have no credibility across our nation. People don't trust this government. We have no credibility around the globe. People don't trust us. They don't look at the United States any longer as that shining light on the hill. We're just another country on another part of the globe that is struggling just to try to make it work. When? It has worked very effectively for 240 years. And yet, with that success story, which no other country in new world history can say, they've been around in their present form for 240 years and been successful. The Biden administration, all of the woke crowd, they have just one plank at a time pulled apart that government, this country, that was so successful. And it's all happened on Joe Biden's watch. Prime example, our Secretary of State, our President, they want to sidle up to China and get buddy-buddy with Xi Jinping, kind of like the relationship that our former President Donald Trump had with Xi Jinping. And by the way, he had it with the Saudi Crown Prince. He had it with Kim Jong-un in North Korea. Joe Biden wants the same kind of relationship, but he won't do what Donald Trump did to make those world leaders want to be sidled up to the United States in our leadership. Antony Blinken, our Secretary of State, he basically begged for an audience with Xi Jinping. He was not given a green light, but still, over the weekend, he went to Beijing. And so he asked for a meeting with Xi Jinping. He sat around and waited. And finally, at the end of his trip over there, he got word. Xi Jinping will give you 45 minutes. Oh, wow. What a success. Our Secretary of State waited around Beijing, probably watching Fox News. No, he certainly didn't do that because they won't air that over there in China. He got the phone call and he went and talked to Xi Jinping. And yesterday and today we're finding out the feckless representative of you and me was over there kissing the feet of Xi Jinping. Blinken acknowledged yesterday that he failed to get China 
to agree to restart U.S.-China military-to-military communications, which is why he went. And he came back empty. Blinken said this. He's trying to make it shiny in a press conference before he got on the plane to fly home. He said, I think it's absolutely vital that we have these kinds of communications, military-to-military. Oh, my gosh. At this moment, China has not agreed to move forward with that. He said that. After he had just said that sentence I just told you, he said, we got to have moments like this. China's not agreed to move forward with that. I think that's an issue that we have to keep working on. It's very important we restore those channels. Why did the channels get unrestored? Anthony, it's because of you and our president and Xi Jinping and fellow leaders in China don't trust you, they don't like you, and they certainly don't respect you. The Biden administration is hoping Blinken's trip is going to put U.S.-China relationship on better footing after a series of previous visits angered Beijing, including the one that Nancy Pelosi She was still the House Speaker. She flew over to Taiwan last year, and Taiwanese President Xi Jinping wings meeting with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and other lawmakers in California in March. China considers Taiwan its territory. Everybody should understand that. And our very strong relationship with the democratic nation, Taiwan, to be interference in its internal affairs. China thinks it's theirs. Further screwing up our relationships was that Chinese spy balloon that went across our United States continent this year in February, taking its time circling over our military installations. Go figure. Blinken was supposed to visit Beijing about that time, But he was forced to postpone the trip because of the fury from both Republicans and Democrats about the balloon passing over and collecting intelligence on sensitive U.S. military sites. So right after Blinken's trip, that one that was postponed, the Biden administration tried to reschedule the meeting, couldn't get anybody to even answer the phone in Beijing until now. Xi Jinping has essentially frozen high-level military communications with the Pentagon and recently turned down Defense Secretary Lord Austin's proposal to even talk to his Chinese counterpart at an Asian security conference held in Singapore. They wouldn't even talk to each other. One of the Biden administration's requests for China during this trip was to restart U.S.-China military-to-military communications, particularly as China's military has stepped up its aggressiveness towards Taiwan and as the U.S. military has tried to keep waterways in the region open for international passage and to stop further Chinese aggression against Taiwan. Now, imagine if Donald Trump was still in the White House, knowing the relationship, the very public relationship he had with Chinese President Xi Jinping. How do you think that one would have been handled? The two would have gotten together, probably a meeting, maybe at Mar-a-Lago, maybe in Washington, 
And then probably Trump would have gone back to Beijing. They would have sat down, discussed, and agreed on things. We're out here with our hands out, begging, give us, just give us an audience so we can have a conversation. And Xi Jinping is putting Antony Blinken, Joe Biden, at the back of the line. Blinken said this, if we agree that we have a responsibility to manage this relationship responsibly, if we agree that it's in our mutual interest to make sure the competitive aspects of the relationships don't veer into conflict, then surely we can agree and see the need for making sure that the channels of communication that we both said are necessary to do that include military-to-military channels. Hey, Antony, all that crap you just spewed for the media thinking it was going to make you look like you got something done— We all know Xi Jinping can't stand Joe Biden, won't meet with him, and didn't want you to come over there, but you came over there, and he gave you 45 minutes. Now you're out pontificating about what a great Secretary of State, what a great foreign policy you have. And the number one foe for every free nation on the globe doesn't even want to talk to you about anything substantive. And then Lloyd Austin, who I think is the worst military leader in American history. He had a press conference on Friday. He said he would continue to try to speak to his counterpart. They wouldn't even take his phone call. He was asked a question, and in response he said, I'm confident that over time that's going to happen. That being (laughs) they'll answer the phone when we call them. We're going to meet at some point in time, but we're not there yet. Not because we didn't try and that we won't continue to try. Why don't you just sit back, Mr. President, Mr. Secretary of Military, Mr. Secretary of State? Why don't you sit back and objectively analyze what the heck changed between the Trump administration and the Biden administration as it pertains to China. They won't do that. They will not even sit back and think it through and honestly say, you know what? We ought to look back at the way they handled it because it was working then. Why wouldn't we go back to that? Well, you don't want to give the Trump administration any credit for anything. It's about time... You put all that crap down, pull up your big boy pants and say, we've got to do this. We've messed up. Let's go back and look at what Trump did and their relationship with China and let's fix ours. They will not do it. So yesterday in an interview with CBS News, Blinken stated we need greater cooperation from China on fentanyl which has halted cooperation that has worked in the past, but it's not about pointing fingers. And in some cases, Chinese firms ship fentanyl precursors to the wrong people by mistake. Now, this is Blinken. He's talking. China, they're looking for greater cooperation from China on fentanyl. And this is what he said which has halted cooperation that has worked in the past. 
why did China halt cooperation with the U.S. government? It's because of who's there, who's in our government now. They are not willing to work with China, but talk bad about China on the world stage every day. Do not show any positive cooperation intent. And so they just know everything that Joe Biden says, everything Antony Blinken says is just political speech. CBS News Chief Foreign Affairs Correspondent Margaret Brennan asked, the other thing that you really emphasize was the need to talk about fentanyl, which is killing Americans. Do you believe that the Chinese state can really turn that up and turn that down? Blinken said, oh, yeah, yeah. We need to see much greater cooperation when it comes to fentanyl. We've seen some of that in the past. In fact, a few years ago, actually in the Trump administration, China actually scheduled fentanyl, made it, put it on a prohibited list. And one result of that was that actually manufactured fentanyl that had been coming to the U.S. from China, that pretty much went to zero. Now, why is that? When was that? During the Trump administration. What's happened since, though, he said, is that the chemicals that can be used to make fentanyl, those have been moving liberally to primarily to Mexico, where it gets turned into fentanyl and then it winds up in the United States. So part of the challenge is making sure that chemical manufacturers that are producing these precursors in China, and then in some cases, inadvertently sending it. It's not inadvertently, Anthony. They're writing a check in Mexico when they get it from China. That's enough on this crap. <laughs> he, he illustrates every day, every time he opens his mouth, talking about China. Trump did it better. Trump did it better. <laughs> and they won't admit it. Just go find the way and the things that was working in the Trump administration. And you don't even have to go public and apologize and say, we are wrong. We're going to go back and just go do it. If it works, just do it. <laughs> You're the one that wants affirmation for your politicization, not the American people. Just get her done. How about? Donald Trump, we're talking a little bit about him. He made an announcement yesterday that shocked a lot of people. Legal experts are now saying that his trial in that case of handling of allegedly classified documents, it may not even happen until after the 24 presidential election. And if that's the case, of course, it could work in Trump's favor. I don't see how it gets to trial before the November election. That's legal expert and former assistant attorney general Andrew McCarthy on a National Review podcast yesterday. According to Andrew and an article in the Washington Post published yesterday, the use of classified information during a trial is governed by a law called the Classified Information Procedures Act. Now, what does that mean? McCarthy said in a classified information case, Lawyers litigate before the trial what classified information is admissible in a case. Both the prosecution and the defense, they must share with the government what classified info they intend to use in the case. 
So, McCarthy said the defense always claims that they need more, not because they really think it's exculpatory, but because they know the government doesn't want to reveal it. And they try to make a record that they were prevented from making their defense. Now, this is just getting, this is just getting really, really interesting, isn't it? McCarthy said the judge then rules what is relevant. And the government can either declassify the information so that it can be used in the trial, or they offer a substitute. But it must give the defense enough to make the argument they would have been entitled to make if they could have presented it all. McCarthy said, if the government does not want to declassify the info and the court says there's no adequate substitute, that law, SIPA, holds that the attorney general can order the court not to allow the classified information into the trial, but then the counts pertaining to the information have to be thrown out because it's a lack of a fair trial. Now, what evidence would we be talking about here? All the classified documents they took from Mar-a-Lago, the FBI removed from Trump's home. All that has to be worked out prior to trial, McCarthy said. He also said another obstacle to a speedy trial is that Trump and their lawyers have to be cleared to get access to classified information. McCarthy said due to the difficulty of getting cleared to get access to classified information, he thought special counsel Jack Smith would focus on obstruction rather than the allegedly classified material that Trump had in his possession. I don't know how on earth he gets it to trial prior to the November election. This is McCarthy. And I would say that even if Trump didn't have four or five other cases on his plate, that they have to schedule around. He said he once had a case involving much less classified information, and it took 18 months to litigate before the trial. That was one little discreet piece of evidence with respect to one defendant out of 12. And that's how long it took from a judge who, by the way, is very efficient, he said. Trump's charged with, oh, I don't know, 31 counts of violating the Espionage Act, each count representing one document. Think about that. Lawyers who have worked cases like this, they see the SIPA law as a time-consuming and difficult set of procedures that can be extremely beneficial to any defendant who wants to delay a trial. So, the report noted that this judge, Judge Eileen Cannon, who was appointed by Donald Trump, by the way, has little experience with classified document issues, which could further delay the case. It also noted that Trump will likely have many lawyers who will need to get a security clearance and that Trump has a penchant for firing and hiring new ones. Besides that, the report notes the classified material can only be viewed in certain locations for handling classified information and can only be discussed with potential witnesses inside those certain locations. And that also slows down the process. This is getting interesting. Josh Dradle, a criminal defense attorney who handles these national security cases, He told the Washington Post 
The discovery process in cases involving classified materials typically takes much longer than other types of criminal cases. The prep of those materials takes an inordinate amount of time. And it may be that the only way you can review the discovering materials is in there. You can't put it on a laptop or read it on a train. There are a lot of limitations on access that extend the process of review. David Aaron, who's former Justice Department attorney who prosecuted the case of National Security Advisor Reality Winner, said prosecutors could start with non-classified aspects of the case. The documents themselves are classified, but evidence like discussions about where they were moved or the search warrant affidavits are likely unclassified. You can't defend an entire case without a security clearance, but you can make progress in the case without one. Who would have thought that? I would have never given any thought to that slowing down this process. So that's just for a second. Think about it. This thing's going to be hanging out there through the entire election cycle. The Mar-a-Lago classified, let's call it DocuGate. Now, President Joe Biden, he just inadvertently took 1,850 boxes of classified information when he left the Obama administration. 1,850. He was never president. He had no authority to have one classified document in his possession. (laughs) What about Biden DocuGate? (laughs) How's that investigation going? I'll tell you, it ain't happening at all. After all, I'm Joe Biden. Trump's a MAGA Republican. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all natural, juicy, grass fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food, with no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids, only at Carl's Jr. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes, for insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please forgive us for never washing our hands. Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but... Shouldn't there be more back and forth? You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. It's a puppy. Not a puppy, a wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother. 
down. You guys good? Yeah, we're good. Yep. Okay. Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive. No drama. It's Tuesday, and at TNN Live, that means Steve Baker will join us in hour number two. He always brings new information, data, important things that we may not have on our plate already. He's going to be here in about 14 minutes, so don't you dare go away. Before we get there, I want you to listen to a couple of things. This is from a committee hearing in Congress. First, I'm going to let you hear a lawmaker, female, and I know I'm not supposed to say that, but she is a woman, and she's giving the reason why Republicans are so bad when it comes to gun control. Oh, no. We're not going to go down that road. Yes, we are. Then you're going to hear a response that kind of puts it all in focus by Congressman Jim Jordan. You know, in a week marred by yet another tragic shooting or two or three, really a slaughter of our fellow citizens, my Republican colleagues are taking time to gesture instead of to act. The purpose of this markup is to show law enforcement, to acknowledge and give aid to those who we have entrusted with keeping our communities safe. My Republican colleagues haven't put forward anything to help police who are thrust into situations perilous situations, facing down mass shooters with assault weapons, drug traffickers with weapons modified by stabilizing braces or bump stocks, or organized criminals with untraceable ghost guns. Let's do something about those things. No, instead, they want you to think they care this National Police Week. They've done barely anything to fund and equip our nation's law enforcement services. If the folks on the other side of the aisle actually supported law enforcement, they would pass and lead the House Democrats, who last year voted to pass. How about the Invest to Protect Act? Would have authorized $300 million in grants for law enforcement agencies with fewer than 125 officers. 55 Republicans voted against it. The Victim Act which would have provided up to $100 million per year in grants to law enforcement agencies to help solve violent crimes. 178 Republicans voted against it. Or how about remember when we passed the American Rescue Plan that delivers $350 billion across this nation to state, local, uh, municipalities, and tribal areas. 219 Democrats voted for it, 210 Republicans voted against. How about the Capitol Police Supplemental Bill, funding the Capitol Police following the attack on January the 6th? Wouldn't that just speak for itself? 213 Democrats voted for it. 209 Republicans voted against supplemental funding to the Capitol Police. How about the assault weapons ban, which would take the weapons most used to target law enforcement and these mass murders that we are seeing grotesquely blowing away our children. If you read the description of the most recent shooting, a person went over to help a little child who has been bent over almost prayer-like. When they lifted her up, she had no face. 
as a result of an assault weapon. Do we want to do anything about that, or we just want to pass feel-good resolutions saying, claiming we support the police? Instead, oh, by the way, the assault weapons ban, 208 Republicans voted against it. I guess they want to defend people blowing away our children, blowing off the face of a little girl. House Republicans have set their sights on defunding and abolishing federal law enforcement agencies. This is a hypocrisy. It's an oxymoron what we're participating here. Remember Chairman Jordan has said he wants to use the power of the majority to cut funding for the DOJ and the FBI. Matt Gates, Mr. Gates, the gentleman from Florida, wants to abolish the ATF. You all heard that right in this very room. That's the agency that every police department in this country counts on and uses to track weapons used at crime scene. Abolish it, say some members of this committee. This is simply not the work of sincere folks, not of serious legislators. That's, that's not showing care for our law enforcement communities, and it def definitely isn't support for our law enforcement departments. And so, Mr. Chairman, with the remaining time I have, I say, please, I plead with all of you, take these issues seriously. Take the slaughter of the babies in our classrooms, in our shopping malls, in our synagogues, wherever it happens to be. Take this seriously. Act. Don't pass feel-good resolutions that are absolutely hollow, vapid. We need action. My constituents are furious at the refusal of the Republican Party to take serious action on gun violence in this country. We cannot and we should not continue to live and die this way. It'll only be a matter of minutes before we hear of the next grotesquely gruesome slaughter of our citizens. Oh my gosh, what an emotional tirade. Did that bring you to tears? It did me. But let's, let's just chat about that for a second before you hear Jim Jordan's response. What was missing in all of that? It was only one thing she was crying about. One thing. What was it? Money. Money. The only thing she was crying about was Republicans refused to give every law enforcement agency from the top to the bottom in the nation blank checks. Oh, That'll stop gun crime. And those evil Republicans, they have no hearts. They don't want to stop gun crime. If they did, they would give us all the money that we could give to all those law enforcement agencies. That, my friends, is the talking point about everything in the Biden administration, in Democrats, period, they think money's going to fix everything. No, no, no. When they talk about give us money, what they are really saying is, you know, we show you how fiduciarily responsible we are when we get money. Most of it goes to the causes, you know, the legislative acts that we pass that it's supposed to. And some of it just slips out. But it's only hundreds of billions of dollars every year. And that's okay because most of what the taxpayers send us, we're using it the right way. You know what's missing in that conversation from the left? The guns. The guns. How many shootings have you heard about where they come back and they tell us, you know, this was 
a shooting in Chicago, which happens every weekend. Usually 30, 40 people shot every weekend. 10 to 15 are killed there. We never hear anything about the guns that were used. Why is that? Why is that? Because if the guns come into that conversation, the obvious question that will be asked Where did that gun come from? Yeah, so-and-so's the one that pulled the trigger. Where'd he get the gun? What we do know for practicality purposes is hardly any of those guns were bought at Dick's Sporting Goods or some other gun outlet. They're stolen. They're stolen. Now, what happens when a gun is stolen in Chicago? If it's reported stolen, the whole record is there, including the serial numbers, all the information about who had the gun, it was stolen, the circumstances, and then when that gun is used in a mass shooting or a shooting of any kind and the person is caught, there's a trail of information. None of that is being taken care of. So where does all of the responsibility for that fall? It doesn't fall on legislators at all, and it shouldn't. It falls on the people that are taking the hundreds of billions of taxpayer dollars that come from D.C. to law enforcement agencies from top to bottom, FBI all the way down to a little bitty town in some remote location. The people that get that money in these law enforcement offices, they are supposed to be held accountable to use every dollar to enforce the laws, to hold the people responsible that are doing all these shootings, and to hold the people responsible that were a conduit for these people to get these guns. You can bet that 90% plus of the shooters in all these cases, they don't even qualify to go online, have their backgrounds investigated by the ATF, and get approved to buy one of those guns from Dick's Sporting Goods. They either buy it out of the trunk of some thug on the street, or they steal it out of somebody's car or break into a home and get it that way. Jim Jordan's response. I would just just do a quick response, and then I'll be happy to yield to Mr. Tiffany, uh, uh, Mr. Chairman. An FBI that has a that has a field office, the Richmond field office, which puts out a memo, and the memo says if you're a pro-life Catholic, you're an extremist, you're a radical. And we're going to look to put sources inside the parish, inside the church to spy on you. I do think we should evaluate how the American tax dollar going to that organization is being spent. That to me seems common sense. And we know that happened because a brave whistleblower came to this committee and said this was going on in Richmond. Now, to the FBI's credit, they rescinded that memorandum, what they call a domain perspective. But would they have done that but for that brave whistleblower coming forward and telling us that? When you got that kind of activity going on and a host of other things that this committee has uncovered, I do think you have to look at the appropriations process and make a decision there. Maybe some of the tax money going to this organization should be spent a little differently. That's what this committee has said. A number of us have said. 
We're not for taking it away from the rank and file, the good agents on, out there in the field doing good work, but we are for looking at things like that and saying, maybe you shouldn't be getting all the money you're getting. Will the gentleman yield? No, I will not, not till will I the finish. the gentleman yield? I will not, 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 not till I finish here. That's what we're concerned about. But you read that memo, you read that memo, and it, it, they were looking to put sources, develop informants inside the church if you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic. Will you yield Think now? about that. That is frightening. And, and, and remember, this was signed off on by five people in the Richmond field office, including the chief divisional counsel. In other words, a lawyer signed off on that, a lawyer who supposedly went to law school and had a course on the Constitution and the First Amendment. And they signed off on it. And the Democrats say, keep giving the FBI money. We don't care that that kind of activity. They rescinded that thing as quick as they could, but that was going on within the FBI. So heck yes, this committee should look at that. We have primary jurisdiction over the Justice Department. And we are doing that. We are doing that. But that is as wrong as it gets, a, as blatant a violation of First Amendment liberties. The first right in the First Amendment is your right to practice your faith. And the FBI was looking at putting sources in the church Mr. To snitch and spy on parishioners? Mr. Chairman, you've got to be yield? kidding me. Be happy to yield. Thank you very much. So it, it seems to me that it is very clear you support defunding the FBI. I didn't say that. I said we got to look at one of the things we do in this in this this business in this Congress is you look at how you appropriate funds, and we will have recommendations going to the Appropriations Committee about how they should use American the people I represent in the Fourth District of Ohio, the numerous Catholics I represent in the Fourth District of Ohio. They ha they have a say in how their money is spent. We are certainly going to look at that. If so you don't want to, if you just want to keep sending money to the FBI that's spying on people in church, go right ahead and take that position. The Republicans on this committee will not, and we're going to look at it. You may not want to, but we do. We do. And I, I guarantee, I bet, you have, I bet you have Catholics in your district who want you to look at it. I know I do. And that's what we plan on doing. With that, I yield back to the chairman. Democrats in Congress, the only thing they think about is money, money, money. And it's not how money is spent, how taxpayer money is spent. It's just write us a check and leave the dollar amount empty. We'll fill that in and we're going to spend it. We'll give money to every agency top to bottom without holding them accountable at all. That's the practice from the past. Listen closely to what I'm about to tell you. That has got to stop. And the only way to stop it is with the power of the purse, which sits at the feet of the United States House of Representatives. They got to get it done. They've got to hold people accountable. Well, well, well. Steve Baker up next here at TNN Live. So you guys grew up together? Yes, yeah, since third grade. <laughs> what are you looking at? I'm not looking at it. We're not good enough for you. You look for something else? No, I, just, I don't know. What are you, big supermodels? Who's us? Supermodels. What are you modeling? Gloves? What are you doing? A girl's totally into me. Right? Eat a Snickers. Why? Because you get a little angry when you're hungry. Better? Better. So, ladies. So, losers. Stacy, relax. I'm sorry. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. Out for some lays and you face a test. Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion, smoky barbecue. Cheddar, sour cream, salt, and vinegar, too. You 
you sample them all Cause the crisp is so good on your lips Yeah You left your wallet at home But now you have a new best friend The many flavors of Lay's chips One taste and you're in love Wendy's famous 4 for 4 is heating up With a new spicy crispy chicken sandwich The queen of spice is delivering that spicy chicken you love With lettuce and mayo between two deliciously soft buns And yes, in classic 4 for 4 fashion You can get all that spicy goodness with spicy or crispy nuggets Fries and a drink to cool off All for just 4 bucks Is it getting hot in here? Or did Wendy's just deliver the hottest deal in fast food? We got you. Offer includes four-piece nuggets, junior frying, value drink, price participation may vary. Taking aim at the noise, the lies, and the disinformation of mainstream media. Your warrior of the facts. Here's Dan Newman. <laughs> every, every Tuesday, uh, Steve Baker joins us live from wherever he is on the planet to uh, talk about you know, things of importance, really important things. And we usually talk Tuesday sometime to try to get that all lined out. Well, we did just that yesterday, and we talked about the things that we were going to talk about today. And as I just got him on the phone, I said, well, where are we going with this? And we both just just chuckled because since yesterday, there's about 50 new things that have come online. So, Steve... We've got A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. Which one of those do you want to dig into first today? <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm going to do first. I'm going to out you on something, a text you sent me the other day. You, you sent me a text and you said that you were going to cancel your show because there just wasn't enough to talk about anymore. <laughs> and and I, I looked at the text the first time and I, you know, I got a nut in my gut. I can't be serious. And then I read it again and I went, okay, this is sarcasm. <laughs> and, and that, and today is one of those days. I mean, you just, this just couldn't be a slower news day. Could it, Dan? <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I don't know if you, if you were able to listen to any of the first hour, but I went nuts on Anthony Blinken and yes. Joe, but I mean, it's like, what the heck yeah. are these people thinking? I just yeah. don't understand. Are they that stupid or are they so messed up and realize, oh my gosh, we can't dig our way out of it, so we're just going to start telling lies to the people and hope it flies over their heads. China doesn't respect yeah. our nation. They certainly don't respect our president. They wouldn't even meet with him and didn't want Blinken to come over there, but when he went over anyway, they thought, ah, we'll give him 45 minutes right before he takes yeah. off to leave to go home. That's so embarrassing. Well, you know, the most frightening thing, though, Dan, is that, yeah, these are the things that they allow us to see. But the Chinese Communist Party influence over the United States right now is so immense. It is so deep. It is so entrenched, even in the halls of Congress. And I'm not talking about just the left side of the aisle in Congress. Oh, no. They have they have their uh fingers and they have their influence in the deep bank accounts, the offshore bank accounts of so many GOP members. It is frightening. And I don't say this as a conspiratorialist. I say this from 
very close knowledge about what's going on in D.C. right now. And when you combine that with the influence from, well, we don't have uh, George Soros running his empire anymore. He's handed that off to his much worse son. But the the point being, when you combine that influence, you combine the, the CCP influence, you combine the big tech influence, and then you ask yourself, why are so many of these things taking place right now that are so obvious to an overwhelming now majority of Americans, and I'm talking about on both sides within the grassroots, the polling every day is showing more and more and more Americans are believing that there's substance to this Hunter Biden story, that there's substance to this uh, Joe Biden uh, influence bribing scheme. We we are seeing more and more um, uh, polling showing that a substantial majority believe these things are taking place. And guys like you and me and so many others that are following this closely are getting more and more frustrated with the Republican Party because at the end of the day, they're going to have to do something other than mean tweets, something other than just sending letters to uh, the various powers that be, uh, whether they're on the other side of the aisle or whether they're the head of the ATF or the head of the IRS or, or to Merrick Garland. If they don't start doing something substantive, Dan, we're at our end right now. And I, God, I hate, I hate saying that I, it has been up until just the last two or three years that I had the most positive, uh, continuing optimistic look of our ability to get past the evil that was on the horizon. Now that cloud is right over us. And I don't know if we're going to be avoid, be able to avoid the lightning strikes that are about to start hitting us. I don't know if you heard this morning, it was leaked very early on that Hunter and his his lawyers have cut a deal yes. on the yes. tax charge. It was supposed to be tax evasion charge in Delaware. And the other thing was he lied on his application to buy that gun, which is a federal violation. Both of those, by the way, typically are criminal charges. And there's jail time involved. Well, as the story was leaked out this morning, we were told after the story came out, well, that's just an offer by Hunter and his lawyers. It's still got to be approved by a judge. And what they're saying they need to approve is apparently part of the deal is no jail time and just a uh, pleading guilty to some minor federal charges that would be expunged from his record after 24 months. But there's yeah, no but we have nepotism. There's no nepotism up no. there. None whatsoever. No. No, this is not a two-tiered justice system at all, is it? I mean, we know beyond <laughs> any shadow of a doubt because we now have verifiable proof. And this has been, this has been completely verified by the New York Times, Washington Post, right on down the line. Pick your MSM uh, acronym and you know, we, we now know that the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop have implicated him and something on the order of, and this is an amazing number, something on the order of 400 verifiable crimes. This is not even yet getting into everything that has been discovered as a result of what was found on that laptop in terms of the, um, the Burisma schemes and the, 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 the big guy payoffs and all of this. But at, at 400 verifiable crimes, 
to give him a slap on the wrist with misdemeanor tax charges, misdemeanor gun charge, no jail time. Dan, if you and I had committed only a fraction of the number of crimes that we know that Hunter Biden has committed now, we would never, ever see the light of day again as a free man. I I spoke to um, one lawmaker about this, I guess, a week or two ago. And I said, how do you think this is going to flesh out? Do you think it'll ever be resolved? And he kind of chuckled and said, yeah, it'll be resolved. And I don't think there'll be much to it. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, conventional wisdom in D.C. about Hunter is there's really no reason to charge him with what those problems, I guess you call them problems, those things, those laws he broke, there's no need to charge him with anything serious from those, no matter how serious they are, because if they do a serious charge and he gets convicted of something, his daddy will just give him a free ride away from it. He'll give him a pardon. So it doesn't matter. Nobody wants to go through that pain and agony. There's no two-tiered justice system, right? They tell us that over and over again. Like you said, if you or I had done just a little bit of what's on that that laptop, and by the way, I saw some of the stuff on the laptop, and I got to tell you, I got to tell you, in many respects, Hunter, he quickly became my hero because he does some things that I could never potentially do myself. <laughs> oh my gosh. I would never do them, but yeah. my God, all of those things. Every, I mean, it was, it was all the videos. If you saw even one of them, everything within oh. it is federal violations of laws. I mean, drugs out the wazoo. He even admitted that he would get down on the carpet and the floor and hunt for anything that he could put in a crack pipe and smoke. He was that desperate. Yeah. This is happening. This is in our White House family. This is happening, and nobody's thinking anything about it. It's like it's going to be swept under the rug. I thought this whole pardon issue through, that if they did, in fact, indict Hunter on more of these crimes and the serious ones, the felonies, if they went on ahead and did that, and if if his father pardoned him, I think everybody in the country would expect that. And, you know, it's his son, and he has the power to do that as president. He can pardon anybody. I say, let that happen. Put it in front of the American people. Let it happen. Let it play out, because the most important thing that we that the, the GOP needs to make happen. And the most important thing that a real department of justice justice needs to make happen is that there is a trial because in a trial, there is a thing called discovery and in discovery, all of these things will be made known. They will all have to answer for them. In fact, the big guy probably will have to answer for those himself in a trial. He'll have to wait till after the conviction to pardon him. But the point being is, is that this needs to take place. And I don't, I, at this point, I don't know. I don't know if anyone has the, you know, what to go out there and to take Biden down for the crime. And I'm not talking about Hunter. Now I'm talking about the big guy. 
his dad and to take him down for the obvious crimes that we know that he has committed, especially as we're seeing the hypocrisy of the Department of Justice. We're seeing their focus completely, totally, 100% on Trump. And believe me, this thing is not over. I don't know if you saw this also today, but they also announced um, trial date. The judge in Florida has already selected a trial date for Trump for September the 24th, it's supposed to begin. Dan, that's just a couple of months away. And when we're talking about 37 federal charges with the potential of 400 years of sentencing to prison, uh, if found guilty on all those charges, there is no way that this trial is going to begin on September 24th. It's not even going to take place. There is so much work that has to be done. There are going to be so many motions. There's going to be so much attack on those individual charges from uh, his legal team. There's going to be so much discovery that has to take place that it is absolutely impossible. It just blows my mind that she even uh, had the temerity to set a, a September trial date for this. I think she probably didn't have a choice. She had to move forward with it because we all know um, in the first segment on the show today, I broke it down based upon the classif- classified documents and getting mm-hmm. people that are going to be seeing all these documents, getting them the credentials so that they can do that. It will take months. This trial will not happen before the 2024 election. She can say what she wants. She can bang the gavel and call everybody together. But when it starts rolling out, it's going to take more than two years just to get the evidence entered into the court to be considered. And then nobody's going to be able to read most of it because it's all classified. Yeah. Yeah. They've already told us that. And they told us that of course, that the, um, uh, the Trump team can't leak any of this information. They can't leak any of that evidence. <laughs> yeah. Of course, that doesn't that doesn't keep the DOJ from leaking anything that they want to, because that's uh, what they do for a living. So that's going to happen over this course of time. And then I've seen, you know, on the other side, I've seen people already saying this morning, well, maybe this is what Trump wants to happen. You know, he's playing that 9D chess again. And maybe that's he he wants it to happen and get it over with because he knows he's going to win and he knows he's going to get a favorable jury in Florida, blah, 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 blah. And that he wants to just get it over before the campaign season begins. I just don't see I don't see either uh, of these things as being likely scenarios. I, I, I agree with your scenario to be much more likely. I don't think he gives a rip whether it comes quick or goes a long way. I think he gets power from these attacks that are nonstop against him. I think he does because he is viewed by millions of Americans, tens of millions of Americans, as the victim of a wicked, evil, left government. And doing so and feeling that way is real because that's the facts. He is the target of everybody on the left. And why is that? Steve, why is he such a big target? <laughs> Why is Trump such a big target? Well, first of all, <laughs> you weren't expecting this. Is, this. <laughs> no, I wasn't expecting that question at all, and that's okay. I, I'm I'm emotionally and intellectually prepared for it. And when I say emotion, <laughs> because I have my feelings, my own personal feelings about Trump. Yeah, I also have my own intellectual 
uh, analysis about Trump as both a man and as a president. And we've talked about this uh, over the many months uh, since I've been with you on Tuesday mornings. And that is this. I personally do not like the man. I personally have evaluated, though, on the intellectual side of my brain, I have evaluated his presidency as as about a a 50-50 proposition, which puts him 50 full points ahead of Biden (laughs) in in terms of quality of his presidency. And in terms of the things that he did right, uh, on the ledger of the things that I think that he did wrong when he was president, I am willing to, and I've said this already, if he gets the nomination, I am willing to support him against whoever the Democrats put up. That on the table, I will tell you now why I think that is, is that 50% that he does right, they see him as a danger, and this is cliche, but it's absolutely true. He is a danger to the deep state. That is why when we consider that the FBI, the DOJ, the CIA, when we consider that all of those elements, those three-letter agencies worked so hard before the 2016 election to make sure that he did not win that election, and they failed, and then they worked so hard yet again, and they ratcheted it up, except they went very clandestine this time. This time they went to the information process. They went to directly to Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook. The FBI sat down with him, and they said, you have to suppress, you have to spike, you have to shadow ban, and you have to de-platform people that put information about the Hunter Biden laptop out there. And then, of course, through the Twitter files, through those investigative journalists that that um, uh, Elon Musk allowed to come in and look deep into their code and what they found and what they saw in those files and what they saw in the email exchanges, what they saw in their business notes, is they saw that they had somewhere on the order of 70 to 80 FBI agents and CIA operatives working inside the office buildings at Twitter, helping those employees, those programmers design code specifically to deplatform, to block, to shadow ban, and to suppress information that was positive about Trump or that was negative about the Biden administration. And we know now by polling, polling, forget the election fraud, forget, forget everything else that you think you know or you want to know or that you believe about. Or, in fact, Dan, forget your own lying eyes. Forget the fact that we saw the trucks pull up with thousands of, of um pre-printed ballots and forget about the vans that were full of those ballots. Forget about the ballot stuffing that we've seen on the video. Forget about all of that. Just the fact that they engaged in a subversive information war. We now know that the election would have turned in Trump's favor by, because something on the order of 16 to 17% by professional scientific polling, 16 to 17% of Biden's own voters in 2020 would not have voted for Biden if they had just known about the Hunter laptop story. That is polling tells us that if that's the case, not only does he win the five or six um, uh, contested counties, we're not even talking about states here. They were able to target just five or six counties. Not only would uh, 
Trump have won those counties substantially. But when you take and extrapolate that 16 to 17% across the rest of the country, we would have seen a landslide victory on Trump's behalf on the order of maybe, maybe not, not quite as close, but maybe something on the order of Reagan's victory in 84. That's how substantially the information campaign or the de-information campaign came from disinformation, I should say, from America's own deep state three-letter agencies. And that is your answer. That is the fear <laughs> that they have of Trump. And because if he gets the nomination this time, and if he was to win the election this time, he would be what they call that lame duck president, he's got nothing to worry about. He will never be in another race. He never has to worry about his political future ever again. He will never run for another office. And he will be able to, as he said in that one speech where he said, I will be your retribution. And that's what they fear. By the way, in that 84 election, Reagan won all but one state. Mm -hmm. What state was that? Uh, Minnesota. And why did Minnesota go against Reagan? Why did Minnesota? Well, I mean, it was, it was the home of um, Hubert Humphrey, for one. <laughs> uh, it was also the home of Mondale, who was the VP, uh, I mean, who, who was the, um, uh, the opposition. Yeah, that was the only state, Walter Mondale. Yep. Um, yep. That may never happen again in history, but I think we may be looking at something like that possibly happening now. And if you remember, the nation was really, really struggling back then. Reagan came in and he did his deal, but he had been doing it for four years already. So he had a, yep. a, a track record that the Americans looked at. Right now, there's a guy that has declared to run, and even though he is not the incumbent, he was president for four years. We've seen the left throw everything they could possibly come up with against Trump. Think about it. The Russia collusion story, $40 million with 23 of the toughest defense attorneys, far left defense attorneys in the nation. They could not find any collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia at all. Twice. He was impeached. And look at what's going on now. We know everything about Mar-a-Lago and the classified documents there. We know this about Joe Biden. 1,850 boxes of classified yeah. documents scattered around at four different locations we know about now. 1,850 boxes. When he was a vice president who had no right, right. to have one document let alone 1,850 boxes of classified documents. And, of course, we know all about the Mar-a-Lago stuff every day. We talked about it. That judge has set a trial date in that. What's going on in the Biden DocuGate scandal? <laughs> Give us the details. Well, I mean, is, you're plugged into D.C. Where do we stand on that? This, this, is, this is exactly what I was saying earlier. Where we stand is we're waiting around while the GOP have their, you know, thumbs up their butts, sorry to be <laughs> so graphic about this, and doing 
absolutely nothing other than sending out mean tweets and letters to the various heads of all the the, the three-letter agencies complaining about this until they start holding these guys in contempt of Congress after they bring them in and they refuse to answer questions or they lie blatantly until they start taking action. Nothing is going to happen until they start perp walking these guys and putting them in jail for contempt. Then these guys are not going to start releasing the documents that we need to see. And that is the biggest problem right now, Dan is for some reason. And it goes back maybe to what I was saying earlier about the un, um, uh, unrevealed below the surface influence that is has permeated not just the left side of the aisle but the right side of the aisle in dc as well that's coming from the chinese communist party coming from the soros money um and you know because you 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 bring up um, biden's 1850 boxes barack obama has over a million documents in storage in a warehouse in chicago i ostensibly just waiting for the the day that the Obama library is built, I suppose. But why isn't anybody sifting through those documents right now and seeing what he has? Let this, me let me tell you why. Again. Let me give you let me give you the answer. We were told that. We were out there beating that drum because we actually carried pictures of those trucks that transported all those documents from DC to Chicago. And we were told by the then chairman of the National Archives, it has universal oversight mm -hmm. of all classified documents for every White House, they are responsible, we're told. They took responsibility for maintaining the control of those documents, even though there's nobody in Chicago with the documents, but they're keeping control of those documents from Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. If you believe that, stand on your head for about 30 minutes. <laughs> you know, we see right now, we saw, and this goes into something we were saying just a moment ago about what could happen in 24 election, and that is this. We saw with the New York indictment, we saw Trump's polling numbers go up. We saw them go up yet again with the federal indictment there in Florida over the uh, documents at Mar-a-Lago. But let's not allow your listeners right now to forget that neither one of these are the holy grail. The holy grail, the golden chalice of the Democratic Party right now is to indict Trump for January 6th as a seditious conspirator and many analysts on both sides believe that that's coming that's the next hammer to drop and if that drops i don't know what america's right wing is going to do or how they're going to react to that one but and i also don't know what the polling is going to do but i suspect it's going to be another bump yet again and I think that the American people as a whole may actually see that they've taken this too far. And I don't know when it's going to happen. I have heard from insiders who say that it's probably going to take place sometime toward the end of the summer, long before this trial uh, or this, this um, um, classified document uh, trial ever begins, but that, that that particular indictment is going to drop as well. 
there's no doubt in my mind it's going to happen, but I have no question whatsoever what the American people are going to do in response. Most Americans, and the polling already shows this, most Americans believe that the charade that was created about the responsibility for the J6 stuff, they believe that it's false. They believe that it's propped up and manipulated. And there are so many people that have come to life like, uh, oh, Steve Baker is one from the J6 stuff because you were there in the middle of it. And yes, we've made it very clear. You made it very clear. There were people there that did some really bad things. And every one of those people, many of them have already been prosecuted. Some still uh, pending. But if you broke the law, you got to pay the price. But the majority of the stuff that has been created Remember, they hired a producer from Hollywood to come in and, and produce the January 6th committee's uh, coat, it, not really, but faux investigation. Right. None of that resonated with the American people as being true. And, of course, there was no cross-examination of witnesses. The Republicans, the two Republicans that sat on that committee, they couldn't ask questions. They couldn't present any evidence. It was a charade. And America watched that. And we kept waiting for the shoe to fall. You know, the one that would show that the White House was coordinating everything. And they haven't Mm -hmm. found it. It's not out there. And I guess... I'm pretty confident the reason it hasn't been found is it doesn't exist. Yeah, the president was being the president. And if if they start bringing everybody up before uh, the American people that have legally, on the date when the votes, the Electoral College votes are presented through history, Democrats have been the ones that have come and have objected again and again and again, way more than the Republicans have about the Electoral College vote count. They don't want to talk about that. The American people are seeing these things pile up, and if they go down that J6 road and they try to use that as the noose to hang Donald Trump, I think there will be a tsunami in 2024 that Donald Trump will win the election in a landslide. And even if he wins it from behind bars, wouldn't that be something? We would have a president (laughs) that that would have to be incarcerated in the White House and couldn't leave. They'd have to create a jail there for him. Oh, my gosh. I can't (laughs) believe we're even having this conversation, and it is a real possibility. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I, and I am still, I am still that guy, not fully on the Trump uh, bandwagon, but I will tell you that I, as I've said before, the last two and a half years, I have been the reluctant defense attorney myself. And so many cases or so many stories of having to defend this guy over and over again against the unfair, uh, and just illicitly, um, hypocritical, um, actions coming from the Department of Justice, Biden's Department of Justice. Let's just be clear about that. And I can only, I've already fantasized this out in my mind because I have a feeling that if this January 6th seditious conspiracy charge is laid on former President Trump, I kind of think I know who the judge is going to be. I think it's going to be Judge 
Amit Mehta. And let me tell you why I think I know that this is true. Not only has he been the hanging judge thus far in most of the uh, big uh, uh, January 6th trials, he has single-handedly handed down the longest sentences so far. He's also been the one that I watched every single day for nine weeks in the courtroom and how he handled that particular trial. But he's also been assigned, and this, the American public doesn't know this, there's a civil lawsuit that has been filed in a January 6th case. You remember the officer, Brian Sicknick. He's the only officer who died ostensibly as a result of what happened on the day before on January 6th, but he didn't die until the 7th, even though the coroner, uh, the medical uh, records show that he suffered two strokes on the 7th. Uh, we have now seen video, thanks to Tucker Carlson, that Sicknick was fine and walking around, that he never got hit by a fire extinguisher. That was a lie that the media perpetrated um, immediately on day one. But we, we know that that, as it was portrayed by the media, that he was killed on January 6th or as a result of January 6th, is not true. But nevertheless, the Sicknick family is suing President Trump for his death. All right, so there's a, there's a, in the courts right now, working its way through, this lawsuit has already been assigned, and guess who the judge is? The judge on the civil case is Judge Amit Mehta. And the reason why I'm so closely interested in that particular case is because there was another January 6th defendant who was actually accused as the cop killer himself. His name is George Tanios. He's from West Virginia. He was never at any time, thank God, and this is why this video needs to be released. Had we not had cell phone camera video that proved that Tanios was never closer than a hundred feet from Brian, Officer Brian Sicknick, he would have been jacked up and been charged, not only charged because he was charged, but he would have been probably spending the rest of his life in prison for the murder of Brian Sicknick. But fortunately, video evidence came out through discovery that he was never closer than a hundred feet. He had spent five and a half months in prison already for that charge He's got the most significant victory so far in all of the January 6th cases. A, the D.C. Appellate Court gave him a 3-0 ruling in his favor and basically um, slapped the judge over his case and said, let him out now. Because despite that video evidence, they were still holding this poor guy. And they finally let him go. He's finally back home with his family. And he is also then named in that lawsuit. Can you imagine the guy was never closer than a hundred feet from the officer who died the next day. And he won a three to zero appellate ruling ruling in his case saying, let him out of jail now. And then months later, he gets a notice through his attorneys that he is named in a lawsuit from the Sicknick family along with his co-defendant in the case is President Trump. And the judge over that case is Judge Maida. Here's so what I think here's that's what, who's going to get that trial. Here's what this is all about. I have a friend that owns a company that what he does is he has a whole fleet of attorneys and they scout around the nation for civil lawsuits, the big ones. 
and they go to the litigants, the people that are suing these big corporations or these wealthy individuals, and it costs a fortune to go through a big trial like that, and a lot of these people don't have the money to ride all the way through. He will buy those lawsuits from these litigants, and they get a bunch of money up front. And then typically a little bit of small percentage of what happens at the end of it. But they're always going to get the upfront money. And so they go for it. This probably would be something like that that Sicknick is going to have to, uh, uh, not not Sicknick, not his family, but the guy, the officer that's going to be, not the officer, the guy that you you just talked to us about. That, uh, yeah, George Taniyevs. I couldn't think of his name. Um, they know, the family knows, they've got attorneys now that have uh, propped them up. They know this guy, he doesn't have the money to ride through this, a federal trial. Oh Absolutely my gosh, you're not. talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars. Hundreds just of thousands to go through. of dollars. And especially with your co-defendant being the former president of the United States. And so the family is confident they're going to get a chance to settle it and it comes up to dollars and cents. That's what we are dealing with in our judicial system in the United States. And it's sad, but that's what we're dealing with. And it's only going to get worse. Between here and November of 2024, I can't imagine the stuff that's going to go on. Steve Baker, I thank you for bringing your knowledge, your expertise, and your very, very educated opinions to our audience every Tuesday. And between now and next Tuesday, we both know there's going to be some new stuff, important (laughs) stuff for us to get together and discuss. Yeah. Let me tell everybody real quick about this new thing that I have launched, and I hope everyone will join me on that. I've I've launched a new podcast series called 5 in 10, and that's five subjects in 10 minutes. It's a quick hit. It's 10 minutes of your day. Uh, you can find me on Rumble and Locals. Uh, obviously, I post them on Twitter, and all of those can be found at the same exact handle. It's at TPC for USA. Just go to Rumble, type in at TPC for USA, Twitter or Locals, and um, it's just 10 minutes of your day. So listen to Dan Newman every day. When you're done with him at 11 o'clock Central or noon Eastern, then jump over and hear the latest 5 and 10 from me. Will you include any story in your five at 10 that came from TNN live? Will you ever do that? I have, a, I, I have already done that <laughs> because last week, last week was the first week. And so I actually included something that we did talk about um, last Tuesday. And I have a feeling that today's five and 10, when I finish scripting it out, will include some of the content that I just went over as well. Buddy, I'm glad to have you along. I consider you a partner. Thank you, and you have a great week, and we will, if we don't talk before, we'll talk next Tuesday. Thanks, Dan. Steve Baker, what a guy. Great contributor, great friend to this show and to our website. Make sure you always check in because he does this 24-7, and he's got the goods. Steve Baker.
Thank you. Hey, what do you want to da da da? I don't know. What do y'all think we should da da da? Well, what did we da yesterday? Hmm, yesterday. All the dolls feel like the same doll these dolls. I know. Like, is today Monday or Tuesday? Today is Thursday. <gasps> oh no, I forgot to call my mom on her birthday. Oh no! No! These days, nothing is normal and everything is weird. But you could still save big when you switch to Progressive. That won't change. Not to die or any die. Quote to die at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. How to improve your dining room by The Home Depot. New wood floors, new paint on the walls. Sure, you know us for that. But how about a new dining room table? Matching chairs? Bar stools? How about free and flexible delivery with easy online returns? Now you can explore decor in a whole new way. Save now on furniture. Everything for your home. Everything from homedepot.com. How doers get more done. U.S. only valid through September 7th. Limitations apply. Biggie bag, huh? It's new from Wendy's. It's everything you ever wanted for just five bucks. Everything I ever wanted? Wendy's bacon double stack, four nuggets, fries, a drink, and the spelling bee medal you lost in second grade because you couldn't spell soliloquy. It really is everything I ever wanted. Get a bacon double stack with a quarter pound of fresh beef, nuggets, fries, and a drink for just five bucks. Wendy's Biggie Bag is everything you ever wanted. Sorry, I'm going to need all that back. Really? In a world of fake news, the truth will out. Truthnewsnet.org. Again, Dan Newman. We were talking about Hunter Biden. He's just one cog in the wheel of uh, the Biden family syndicate. And there's big news now about what is ahead in the investigation of the Bidens and the Biden family syndicate. We are told that House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer has said the panel is going to start bringing in more witnesses in that investigation into the Biden family influence peddling schemes. He said, we're going to start bringing in key figures in the Biden family influence peddling schemes for depositions. And I think we're on the right track, even though we're having to fight the FBI, fight the DOJ, fight the Democrats in Congress, and fight the mainstream media. Last week, Comer issued a subpoena for Hunter Biden business partner, Devin Archer. You remember that name? It's been around since the very beginning of uh, this stuff going on with Hunter Biden and his laptop. Archer is negotiating a deposition date right now, we're told. Comer vowed that he would keep fighting to get more info and that what the committee has received is more what they were told was possible before they got cranking. I think we've done as much as we could do with the obstacles we've had to overcome He said, no one thought I would get bank records. No one thought we would get access to the Treasury, cabinet suspicious activity reports, but we would not take no for an answer. We kept fighting, and we have prevailed so far. When we got access to the suspicious activity reports, the mainstream media said there was nothing there. And then here came that FD-1023, that form from the FBI, which memorialized a conversation between the FBI and an informant who alleged that the CEO of Ukrainian natural gas company Burisma told him that then-Vice President Joe Biden and his son Hunter each got $5 million for helping the CEO deal with the corruption investigation, among other issues. 
He noted the FBI Deputy Director Paula Bate testified last week to the Senate Judiciary Committee that the FBI didn't want to release that FD-1023, and they were going to, they said, endanger the informant's life. Comer said this, even though they will tell you, and you heard in the testimony when Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley grilled a deputy FBI director as to why they wouldn't release Form 1023, they said, well, we don't want to endanger the life of our paid informant, who's one of our most trusted, highest paid, most creditable FBI informants. So if this is the case, and the FBI informant's that credible, and the FBI informant tells the FBI that the VP of the United States took a bribe from a foreign national in exchange for foreign policy and foreign aid, then why did the FBI not launch an investigation into it? That's the same question we ask here at TNN Live. Comer also alleged the FBI did nothing to investigate indirect wire transfers to nine Biden family members through shell companies originating from Romania and China when Biden was vice president, which the committee presented to the public last month. They didn't want to investigate the shell companies. They didn't want to investigate the money laundering. And then we know the Department of Justice hasn't done anything. So there's a pattern here where the federal government, the deep state bureaucracies have turned a blind eye to Joe Biden. I think most reasonable Americans will agree. We are living, you and I, we are living personally as Americans in the fact that there is a two-tiered justice system in the United States of America. And we've been told for generations that will never happen that everybody's equal under the law. We are promised constitutionally to be treated equally under the law. And that ain't what's happening. That is not happening today. So in preparations for this ramp up in this campaign for the 2024 presidential election, Joe Biden's guys are out there and they're doing their thing It's no surprise that that's exactly what's going on. After all, he's announced he's running. So yesterday, Fox News' Harris Faulkner cut off former Democrat Pennsylvania Rep. Patrick Murphy after he got on her show to tout Joe Biden's record. Murphy was on the show with former Republican Georgia Rep. Doug Collins for discussion of Biden and Vice President Harris. Collins said in the conversation that while Harris and Biden don't necessarily need to worry about campaigning during primary season, their problem is you look at their poll numbers. They're tanking. Can I just say the American people don't care about poll numbers? They care about the stock market, that the stock market is up 11%. The fact that 12 million new jobs, Murphy interjected that before Harris Harris, she shut him down. Congressman Murphy, Harris cut in. You know what numbers they really care about? The ones when they stand in the line at the Acme or the Piggly Wiggly or the Safeway. They care about those numbers that have been delivered like an extra tax 
by this current president through still stubbornly high inflation. Now, of course, they talked about inflation did tick down again in May, though it's twice as high as the Federal Reserve's target, according to new data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. The CPI, the Consumer Price Index, that's what measures the price of everything, everyday goods like energy and food. That number increased 4% on an annual basis in May, compared to 4.9% in April. The Federal Reserve has hiked interest rates 10 consecutive times since March of last year to try and bring inflation down to its goal of 2%. And it's not happening. It's not happening. Why isn't it happening? It's because this government has done nothing but spend money. Spend money. And that keeps inflation at epic proportions. And it is not going to make a dramatic downturn anytime soon. I hate to say that, but it's a fact. I couldn't leave the show today without you hearing a clip put together by Dave Rubin. I like Dave Rubin from the Rubin Report. He's a straightforward, straight shooter. Here's what it's about. And this is Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s meeting with Fauci. Now, imagine those two together. Robert F. Kennedy is an anti-vaccination guy. And Tony Fauci, I don't need to tell you about that one. But listen to this. 2016, Donald Trump asked me to serve on a vaccine safety commission. And I agreed to do it. And I and he then ordered Fauci and Collins to meet with me and, you know, Peter Marks at FDA and all that. So I had meetings with all these guys. So, you know, I said to him, Tony, you've said been telling people I'm a liar. When I say no vaccine has ever been none of the mandated vaccines, what they call recommended, they're actually mandated in many of the states. I said, none of them have ever been tested against uh, in a placebo controlled trial in a safety test prior to to licensor. And I said, can you show me one vaccine that has been subject to a safety test? Show me one study that shows that. And he made it this show of looking through a red well. They had brought in from NIH this big tray full of file folders. And he made a show of kind of looking through that at the time, but he couldn't find whatever he was looking for. So then he said, it's back at NIH in Bethesda. And I'll send it to you. Well, he never did. So Aaron and I sued him, sued HHS, and and said, show us one study that's ever been done on, you know, pre-licensing safety testing for vaccines. And after a year of stonewalling, they finally gave us a letter and said, we don't have any. Does that guy strike you as a crank and a conspiracy theorist? Does that story ring true to you or not? Did he actually do the lawsuit? Yeah, he did. We checked. Do you get it? Do you get it? Now watch as we very smoothly move into a wonderful compilation of Anthony Fauci lying about everything. But they're really criticizing science because I represent science. If you're vaccinated, you really don't need to worry about getting it in a way that's serious or transmitting. That is true. That is correct, Chris. They're to protect you completely against infection 
And the chances are very likely that you'll not be able to transmit it to other people. The risk is extremely low of transmitting it to anybody else. Full stop. Vaccinated people are clearly capable of transmitting the infection. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. If people are not wearing masks, then maybe we should be mandating it. I often myself wear two masks. And I'm quoting you now, at the population level, masks work at the margins maybe 10%. To hear that they only work at the margins maybe 10% would make a lot of people ask, okay, then why was I wearing a mask? You're really attacking not only Dr. Anthony Fauci, you're attacking science. When you say that this is going to go away tomorrow like magic, when you know that there's no chance it's going to just disappear. We hope this just goes away, burns itself out. So my question is, why weren't you straight with the American people about this to begin with? So the bottom line is, it's a guesstimate. I gave a range. It seemed in that quote to suggest that you were basing your uh, your recommendation on polling and what people could accept. Is that not what you meant? No, I mean, it, it's a bit of that. It's a bit of that estimation. Did you ever hear Dr. Anthony Fauci give an estimate and acknowledge any of the data that he gave us? Any of the facts that he gave us about numbers and what we should do, social distance, mask. You just heard him say, sometimes I wear two masks myself. When we published, we here, we published for you 27 different control laboratory tests that each said there is no mask in the marketplace anywhere that is effective at stopping COVID-19. And those 27 different control laboratory tests, we downloaded them from the CDC's own website. How did we get caught? How do we get caught in that enigma? They use fear. That's exactly how they did it. The fear of the unknown. And it was a test. There's no question about that. It was a test. Why would they test you and I? Why would they put death on the table in a test? Which is exactly what it was. COVID-19 was very serious. It killed millions of people worldwide. They did it to see how much of our freedoms and liberties we are willing to give up. Wow. What a way to end the show, right? (laughs) Hey, guys, thank you so much for being here. You have a great day. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, every weekday, Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. Have a great one. 